Health Naturally for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's New Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre. And we're going to talk about sage, but before we do, we've had a couple of calls coming through. So we'll find out Jenny from Cardiff's question. It's about breast cancer that your friend is suffering and uh, ulcers under the breast. Is that right, Jenny? That is right, yes, yes. And she gets them dressed by the nurse every second day. But I was wondering if there's something that she can be taking that would help from the inside out to help her feel better, cure them or whatever. Mm. Well, anything like this, of course, rightly belongs in the area of of medical management and nursing, and I'm glad this lass is getting that that care. Um, A couple of things that I would uh, suggest... She should perhaps discuss with the uh, with the community nurse that's uh, dressing the the ulcer. Just discuss with her, and perhaps then the nurse could discuss with the managing doctor the possibility of using, say, a honey-based preparation. Um, honey is is you probably heard from my programs in a, as a topical application uh, has developed quite a reputation, and in the area of ulceration. Um, it's usually a very effective thing to think about, put it that way. Uh, so depending on how well the uh, the, the lesion is, is taking up, if it's not uh, going at the rate that um, the nurse would be happy about, just get your friend to mention to the nurse, to in turn mention to the managing doctor the possibility of using a honey-based topical application that could be purchased easily from a pharmacist or a, or a medical herbalist. Now, as far as promoting improvement uh, from, from within, um, what you're looking at here is the, is the idea in herbal medicine that herbs can improve resistance to infection, they can promote healing, and there are a couple of herbs that might be of use here, but I would suggest two that come to my mind that could be useful to stimulate a healing benefit. The first one would be the well-known greater marigold, sometimes known as calendula officinalis. That's its uh, technical or botanical name. And it is a renowned uh, remedy with great healing uh, capacity when used orally. In fact, it was the English doctor, Dr. She- um, Dorothy Shepherd, who wrote a remarkable little book that I still have called The Physician's Posy, lovely British um, medical practitioner. She had a lovely monograph on calendula, which indicated its uh, use as oral medication to, to promote healing. So I would be suggesting that uh, some u- using some calendula as a liquid preparation, a fluid extract would be a good start. At the same time, I'd suggest that there be some consideration to blend with it the herb Echinacea purpurea, Echinacea being remarkable in its ability to resist infection and to support all the body's immunological functions, particularly associated with wound healing. So there's a couple of things that I'd factor into the equation. In my opinion, the use of the calendula echinacea blend should form no problem uh, with the management of this lesion. Uh, The topical application, as I said, confident as I am about it, should be raised with the nurse and then with the doctor. Okay, that sounds wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Dennis. I'll tell her. Thank, Thank you if you call, Jenny. And we're moving to Taro now because Carol rang 49216216 and a question about turmeric, Carol. Yes, can I speak to Dennis, please? Hello, yeah. Carol. Hi, Dennis. How are you? I'm well. How are you, Carol? Oh, I'm getting better. Good, good, good. Thanks to your medication. Thank you. I've been listening. One of my friends has been taking turmeric with yes. brain muscle. 
Cl- uh, yes, yes. Um, now, is it like fish oil? Uh, Green mussel is a um, yes. You could say it's like fish oil, but green green uh, the New Zealand green mussel uh, is renowned for its ability to address uh, diseases associated with the joints, and in particular osteoarthritis is where it it made its big reputation initially. Uh, it contains constituents uh, similar to glucosamine. Oh, okay. Because when I had my knee done, yes, my knee bled for three weeks. Yes. And, and that's just said to me, I can't take fish oil anymore. Uh, well, it depends. Um, uh, are you on any other um, blood thinning medication? No, no, nothing. Yeah, well, I worry about that sort of statement. There is information in the literature to say that um, fish oils at certain dosages uh, right. could have an effect, but I'll be honest with you, I have never seen um, that happen. I respect the, uh, the the medical concern that if you're using standard uh, blood thinning medication, um, then you should tread cautiously with anything that might mm. interact with it. But I think we can too quickly say, oh, don't take fish oil because it's a blood thinner. I don't think, from my understanding, that it's as straightforward as that. A lot would depend upon how much you were taking, uh, for how long you were taking it, and whether there was other conflicting medication. Because I was on quite a bit then. Because, but would this green muscle? Would that? Um, how would it go with, with my ginkgo and so well, Chinese okay. sinus and that? So. Okay, the New Zealand green lip muscle is more akin, as I have said, right, to yeah. glucosamine, and as such, I doubt very much whether it would have any any blood thinning capacity whatsoever. It, oh, it is right. certainly different to yeah. uh, to to the, to the chemistry of fish oil. Right. Yes. But what would you recommend? Do I take it or get something else? Uh, t- take what? What are you taking it for? Ah, uh, for my knees. Okay. Um, and what are you presently using? Um, nothing really. Okay. And is your I'm just taking just taking Panamax? Is, is is your knee comfortable? No. You're still in pain, are you? Yes, I'm still. Well, the the first one I have done twice. Yes. And it's really no better. Okay. Look, taking the New Zealand green lip muscle, in my opinion, would be safe. Right. Um, there is good literature suggesting that it can be used right. uh, for very troublesome joint conditions. Uh, a, a lot of interest uh, should be shown in the New Zealand green lip muscle because, in fact, it was in Glasgow in the United Kingdom that a, a, a British doctor in, right. Gla- in Glasgow Homeopathic Hospital in the outpatient section first trialled the New Zealand green lip muscle on a lady whose hip was completely ankylosed who was dependent on steroid medication and walking sticks. And he was so impressed with the result that he got um, using New Zealand green lip muscle that he wrote a paper for The Lancet. Caused a bit of a stir, but I have a copy of the paper, and it's a very credible case of where an apparently hopeless case was reversed by using the New Zealand green lip muscle. Look, in my opinion, it's a food... I would be. Uh, I would have no problem in taking it. We're talking about sage. Well, we will be, but we're also taking your questions and uh, the things that matter to you. So Stuart has rung in on four nine two one six two one six from Tingara Heights, and Stuart, your um, question, please. Yeah, g'day, Dennis. How you going I'm, there? I'm well, Stuart. How are you? Good, thanks. Good, good mate. Good. Um, just your thoughts on maca powder in regards to. Um, Enhancing libido, regulating menstruation. Um, any thoughts on that one, Dennis? Okay, look, uh, I'll be honest with you. Maca is not a herb that that uh, I prescribe or use. I have read the literature on it. 
with a lot of the literature, in my opinion, it goes a bit over the top. Yep. And I always worry about um, substances that make claims to be able to dramatically improve libido and have a major effect on, on reproductive activity. Now, there's obviously something in the herb that has developed that reputation, but I think to see something like that herb being used um, ad hoc to address the problem with perhaps any without any previous medical investigation might be a little bit too um, too expectant to do that. My my best interpretation of maca would be to put it in the same category as other so-called tonic herbs that bring, if you like, a non-specific uh, enhancing benefit to vitality, to health and general performance that might then reflect itself in things like improved libido and even have some impact perhaps on happier menstrual experiences. So I would see it in that context, a tonic herb with yeah. a potential to address certain areas of dysfunction. A anything else, anything other natural herbs that you, you would um, recommend in that area or not? Well, well, well always with, with a condition like this, one needs to look at uh, what is behind the situation. Uh, lack of libido, for instance, can be associated with ageing. It can be associated frequently with medication that one is taking. Uh, and any condition like this needs to be profiled before you spend money uselessly on things that might have no benefit at all. Um, some psychotropic medications uh, for depression and some of the antipsychotic drugs could also have a lowering effect on libido. So before you address the problem, it's wise to try to get behind it to find out whether or not it is being caused uh, by side effects from medications, whether it's being caused from psychological factors. A, a lot of people don't appreciate that lack of libido could have a lot to do uh, with what's going on in one's head, stress, breakup of a relationship, breakup of a marriage. My experience in practice over many years is that in males particularly, that is probably the most common cause of lack of libido, uh, if you like, the psychology behind it. And that can be helped to a degree with herbs like Damiana, a South American herb, uh, which quietly addresses the condition because of a mild psychotropic benefit that it has. But I come back to the point, try to get behind the situation to find out what's causing it and then seek the appropriate treatment, whether it be medical, uh, psychological or perhaps even herbal. And thanks for your call, Stuart. And you can get your question through to Dennis Stewart today, 49216216. He's here till 1 o'clock today. And, Sage, we started off talking about Dennis. We did, and we got sidetracked. Yes, had, and a very a well sidetracked. Definitely. We like to be sidetracked, so give us a call do. if you've got a question. 49216216. So, Sage, is there a scientific basis to okay. using Sage okay. in a way to combat anti-aging? Well, what I would say is this, um, you, you and listeners have heard me talk on this program for quite a while now, and what I have emphasised is that in modern herbalism, uh, herbal medicine, phytotherapy, these are the names that are given to it, in modern herbal medicine, there is a pursuit to explain some of the traditional benefits of a herb based on the understanding the chemistry of the herb. And I have sought to point out that herbal medicine does have an increasingly credible basis due to our understanding more and more about its so-called phytochemistry. Now, sage is one of those herbs that has been investigated 
and it's been investigated from various perspectives. Just to give listeners a rundown on the potential of SAGE before we look at its potential use in addressing aspects of, uh, of dementia and perhaps even Alzheimer's, listeners would have heard me recommend the, the simple use of SAGE in any form, but even SAGE tea as a useful way to address some level, levels of menopausal distress. Uh, it's not well known that in places like France, for instance, where traditional medicine is used a lot more, um, well, it's a lot more common, that women would access sage, salvia officinalis, and use it as a herbal tea, the simplest form, and persevere with it. And over a number of weeks, in many cases, the, the experience of flushing and other distressing aspects that can sometimes happen during the menopause are abated as a result of using sage tea, particularly flushing. And I mentioned that again. The point here is that sage is what we call a gentle remedy. It has no overt big chemistry behind it. We understand its chemistry, but it's a quiet achiever. And so with herbs like sage, one must be prepared to persevere with it. Gentle remedies is what the German medical practitioner, Dr. Rudolf Weiss, referred to herbs like sage. They're gentle and they have little side effect, but they take a while to kick in. So if you go to use it, and I say this to women out there that might be battling with flushing and are reluctant to go down the pathway of HRT, etc., if you're going to give sage a try, use it ongoingly at least for a number of weeks using two to three good strong cups of it a day before you conclude whether or not it's going to be of use to you. In Germany, for interesting, interestingly, uh, the German Commission E, which is the body that legitimatizes or authorizes the use of herbal medicines in, in, in that country, they um, see the herb as having multiple benefits, uh, including antibacterial action, which makes it useful at times for dealing with things like gingivitis infection of the gums. They see it also as being useful for antifungal conditions so that oral thrush conditions are sometimes managed with a mouthwash based on on sage. And interestingly, they give it a significant antiviral recommendation which sees it in Germany being a natural medicine used to build up resistance to recurrent episodes of herpes or cold sores. So in Germany, it's given great credibility. Ah, but interestingly, to get back to my main point, it's been looked at very, very seriously because there is emerging evidence to suggest that it may be a useful substance to help resist the onset or even the activity of Alzheimer's. And this goes back to a very interesting situation <laughs> in, in, in English herbalism. Uh, there were some very good and quaint herbalists, uh, Simon Culpepper, and there was Gerard, whose herbal is still uh, known. Now, in Gerard's herbal that goes back many hundreds of years, he gave the clue that led to the modern research into sage, and he saw it as being good for the head and brain. I love the language, by the way, Jane. <laughs> Gerard saw it as being good for the head and brain and quickeneth the nerves and memory. What does he mean? He's saying, in many ways, he's saying it's good for the memory, it benefits the brain. So rather than just discard that and say, oh, this is folklore, this is nonsense, this is typical herbal jargon, what science is doing today, Jane, is taking a lot of that old terminology and looking at it and trying to find in nature, through references like this, 
a clue to addressing some of our modern syndromes. So with Alzheimer's disease, which is characterised particularly by uh, loss of memory and the exponential rate in which this disease is asserting itself, anything that has the possibility, the possibility of, of, of being beneficial should be looked at. Well, in Alzheimer's disease, they've found very, very interestingly that the chemistry, the chemistry of SAGE, which is very complex, the chemistry of SAGE lessens the breakdown of what's called a neurotransmitter called acetylcholine. And it is put forward that it is the breakdown of acetylcholine that could contribute to the signs and symptoms of Alzheimer's disease. What SAGE has been shown to do is interfere with an enzyme that breaks down acetylcholine, and this is in the science of it, this is in the science of it, that it seems to have an action on inhibiting the breakdown of a chemical called acetylcholine, which is so important for the functioning of the nervous system. This is the theory that's being worked at. If I was someone who was battling Alzheimer's or was told that there were, there's evidence uh, of Alzheimer's or dementia, I would be very content to start using sage tea seriously and get on the net, get on the net, Google it up while you're still able to do so, and by using sage tea regularly based on the modern usage and the literature that I'm referring to, which is modern technical literature, the National Geographic Desk Reference to Nature's Medicine, uh, written by Stephen Foster and his colleague. You can't get much better than that. Look at that. I'm putting forward on this program today that there's the possibility that in simple sage, two to three cups a day, strong cups, persevered with, may do what we suspect it does, stop the breakdown of a major brain chemical and lessen some of the onset of the disease. Does it matter whether you use fresh herbs or dried herbs no. to make your tea? No, I think this question needs to be answered um, straight away. Um, sometimes fresh isn't always the best. In other words, sometimes an undried herb um, can have substances in it which can be uh, potentially toxic. For instance, one would not use, um, I suggest, fresh stinging nettle because it would be very challenging. But when, when stinging nettle is dried, a lot of the irritant substance that occurs in the green herb has gone. So uh, there's no great virtue in traditional herbal medicine and in the taking of herbs medicinally to insist that they be in their green state. What actually happens when a herb is dried is that uh, a lot of moisture, moisture goes from it. So a green herb is essentially a herb that contains all that's left in the dried herb plus moisture in most cases. And the good thing about the dried herb, uh, and this applies to any herb you like, uh, the good thing about the dried herb is that it can last a long period of time. And uh, you know something like sage in a powdered form will last indefinitely. So there's no great virtue. What I mean, don't get me wrong, using fresh herbs in cooking and things like that is fine. But when, once, when one wants to use a herb medicinally, most dosages for herbs are associated with the dried herbal form. It might interest listeners to know that the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia gives you a dose to use of the dried herb. It might be something like four grams in such and such amount of water taken three times daily. So even with simple herbs, the literature dictates how much of the dried herb should be taken 
to achieve a therapeutic benefit. So there's an answer that's all around the bush. <laughs> but no, if you're going to use herbs medicinally, you're better off using them in their regulated dried form. Right. And does it matter if you have it hot or cold, any particular ah, OK, difference? look, I think it does. Um, uh, herbs traditionally have been taken as, as a hot infusion. This means the herbal tea is made on boiling water. Um, using cold water would not extract from the dried herb a maximum amount of active chemical. So you will find that the pharmacopoeia or the literature stipulates that a herbal tea, which is better referred to as a herbal infusion, necessarily needs to be made on the dried herb and such and such amount of boiling water. Now, uh, when one has made the tea, one then lets it cool down. Obviously, you don't drink it if it's boiling, but you let it cool down to, say, a lukewarm level, and then it can be pleasantly taken. Mm. So it's a better way to get the action. Hot water, as an infusion, encourages the release of the chemical from the herb taken into solution, and then one drinks the tea, uh, not necessarily the herb that should be left behind. Right. Now, we did have a call from Mary who said that she used sage liquid during menopause and had some success with that. So Isn't that's that good? backing up what you're... We, we must be getting... Uh, a lot of people are starting to vouch for what we've been recommending. Yes. And, you know, as I said to you just a moment ago, um, um, Jane, that the good thing about sage is, A, it's availability. Yes. Well, I mean, you don't even get it from a supermarket, for goodness sake. Yeah. Um, uh, and never be proud <laughs> to buy your stuff from a supermarket. <laughs> and, 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 B, it's cheap. And, C, it's easily converted into a simple herbal tea or infusion and d it works and sometimes it works better than some of the more expensive encapsulated natural products in our health food stores and pharmacies now that's a lot coming from me but it's true sometimes a simple thing like this will work as well or sometimes better than a more expensive preparation i say to ladies that uh, that are working through some of the distress of the menopause try the simple stuff first Give sage a go. If not, move on then to some of the more expensive options. Ah, good for sage. Well, we're going to change the subject now. Gail's rung in from Metford and Vertigo is on your mind, Gail. Yes. Which... Hello, Gail. Hello, Dennis. How are you? I'm well. How are you? You have Vertigo, do you? Yeah, I suffer with Vertigo. I've been to see you before, Dennis, for UTIs. And, okay, uh, yes, yep. Fix that problem good, for me. Good, good. Um, but you got Vertigo. Now I've got vertigo. Okay. I've had it on and off for quite a few okay. years, but yeah, I've got it really bad at the moment. Has your doctor investigated it for you, Gail? Yeah, I've had all sorts of tests for it, okay. and nothing okay. up yet. Do you have low blood pressure? No. Okay, and you don't have high blood pressure. No. Okay. With the vertigo, do you get nausea? Um, sometimes. Okay. If it's really bad, I do get a bit of nausea. Okay. Look. It's, it's a long shot, but it's worthwhile trying, and it is inexpensive. Um, in, the, in the literature, you've heard me refer frequently to the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia of 1983, which is the, the Bible of modern medicine. I owe so much to it for my lecturing and, and professional career. Under the herb Betonica, B-E-T-O-N-I-C-A, Betonica, mm. that's the botanical name for the English herb wood betony. Wood, wood betony. Wood, oh, yes, I've heard you talk right. about that. Now, wood betony yes. has an interesting history. Uh, it was made famous by an English herbalist who was known as Willie Smith. 
and okay. some of the older herbalists, some many of whom have passed on, um, speak fondly of this great herbalist in the UK. He was a bit of an eccentric, as all herbalists are, um, myself included. But he wrote a lovely little book entitled Wonders in Weeds. And I say to listeners, if you can get hold of that book, Wonders in Weeds by William Smith, grab it. Mm. If it was given a technical name, it would have sold hundreds of thousands. But the name of the book sort of doesn't... uh, uh, doesn't click with some of the more academic or trendy herbalists these days. But I learned from Willie Smith a lot about wood betony, and he swore by its ability to address vertigo of a functional nature. It's a cheap I... herb. Try it. It's cheap, a couple of mils a couple of times a day. Um, yeah. It's not an expensive herb. I'd give that a go before, um, you know, before throwing your hands up in, in defeat. There you but go. I've, I've... I've been on Demetel yes. and I've been on um, Tebnonin, so, yes. is it? Tebonin, Tebonin yeah. is, is a brand name of ginkgo and, and, yeah. so, and sometimes that's useful. But with, with the ginkgo, whether it be Tebonin or other brands, with ginkgo, if you look again at clinical trials on it, ginkgo has to be worked with over a very, very long period of time. But interestingly, yeah. it, has a, it has a reputation of benefit. So depending on how long you have been taking the ginkgo, I wouldn't pull yeah. the plug on it. I wouldn't pull the plug on it, but uh, I, I would suggest you'd have to work with it at least a year. That's my opinion. But uh, you, could um, also, you could also blend or take with it, or alternatively, uh, wood betony. Okay. I'm on a tablet now at the moment yes. called Memory Recall, but... Mem- memory and Recall? Yes, okay. it's not doing either. I've been on it for about three months. But... Have you? Well, get on to some mm. sage. You might do better with memory on sage, mind you. <laughs> I, was, I was just listening to the <laughs> yeah. sage. Yeah. It's my one of my favourite like... herbs. It's People think... I have feedback sometimes from listeners that will either write in or ring me saying you, you go over the top on things. You, you mention astragalus 8 too much and you, you, you mention sage too much. Look, it's only based on the impression that I've had using these herbs over so many years that I'm so enthusiastic about them. And I've seen many, many women bless me as a result of recommending sage when they haven't been able to afford other preparations for their menopausal distress. Um, they've tried the sage, they've persevered with it, and they've got a degree of benefit. So it's a great herb. I we'll love it. We're coming back to yeah, sage it. again. Thank you for your call, Gail. Mentioned um, ginkgo. And yeah. you've talked about ginkgo as mm. being good against sure. ageing. Interestingly, what Gail did there was mention the product known as tabonin. Now, tabonin, as far as I'm aware, was the first ginkgo product uh, it was developed, I understand, in Germany by a German pharmaceutical company. And it's interesting that in many ways uh, the Germans lead the world in the sensible medical use of herbs. And the best information that I have read in a concise form on ginkgo is in a German text that I frequently mention on the program, written by the well-known um, um, a German medical practitioner and phytotherapist, that's the term that's used on the continent to prescribe or describe people that use herbs, phyto meaning plant, plant therapist. Um, Rudolf Weiss in his book, Herbal Medicine, the English translation, uh, I can speak a little German, I read it a bit better, but I'm happy to look at an English translation. Uh, Weiss had a remarkable 
remarkable couple of pages on the ginkgo, which attests to its popularity and its sensible use as an agent also to address what might be referred to as some of the deficits of ageing. Um, in that information in Weiss's text, which is reiterated in other literature, ginkgo is seen as having very significant benefits on improving what's referred to colloquially, or even perhaps medically, as cerebral circulation. Ginkgo seems to address things like memory loss, uh, mood swings, uh, by virtue of the way in which it improves crucial circulatory pathways. Um, whereas SAGE addresses the problem of, say, potential Alzheimer's and uh, dementia by interfering beneficial, beneficially with a neurotransmitter, lessening, if you like, some of the neurological contributions towards Alzheimer's, Ginkgo seems to be much more oriented towards having benefits in circulation. So it's an ideal uh, remedy uh, to use. I use ginkgo on a daily basis. Whether it's done me any good or not, I'd have to discuss that with my wife. I'll say that tongue-in-cheek. I would like to think it did. <laughs> but I have so much regard for the ginkgo because I think it fits into the category of a herb that I have loosely referred to on this program over the years as an anti-aging remedy. I'm one of those people that must believe at this late stage of my existence that one can one can offset the ravages of ageing, so I grab for anything, including the ginkgo. Now, look, quite seriously, I've seen ginkgo work remarkably well in, in many conditions, but, again, it's the most probably the most popular natural pharmaceutical used uh, in Germany particularly to address ageing syndromes, the early onset of, of dementia and possibly Alzheimer's. And some of the literature uh, on this condition is all centred around the, the modern use of the ginkgo. Ah, so mm. ginkgo as well. And in our last couple of minutes, Dennis, uh, sage, we've talked about it for anti-ageing purposes. Mm. Mm. Uh, does it have lots of other... Oh, look, um, well... Today has been a bit of a lecture session on SAGE. I should have taped this. I could have given it to some of my graduate students. Well, while we're on it, we have actually taped it. It will be available as a podcast. SAGE, uh, we have seen today, is accredited, particularly in the US, with uh, menopausal benefits, and we've discussed that. We've We've seen how in Germany, what's referred to as the Commission E, which is the regulatory body, we've seen how they credit the herb with benefits that are, if you like, antibacterial, antifungal and antiviral. And we've seen, interestingly, how in the, in the German use of it, it's used popularly to address this wretched condition of episodes of herpes, that using it as an ongoing medication, the literature shows or, or states human studies on patients using SAGE to treat herpes have shown reduction in size, number, severity, and time between outbreaks of genital and oral cold sores. So it is a, one of the remedies, again, one of the remedies to think about uh, using, uh, and there are a number of them, but for people that are caught in this snare of regular recurring oral or, 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 um, or, or vaginal herpes, think of using sage as a potential 
in conjunction perhaps with other remedies. So, look, you could make a great case for saying this is one of our most important herbs, couldn't you? I think you certainly could. Well, thank you, Dennis Stewart. And that brings brings health naturally to an end today. Back next Friday on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.